Hi, Rich here, and we've made it to episode 20 of the Jones the Bat podcast. Who would have thought this uh, back in lockdown? Uh, so, before we get on with the, the weekly review and weekly roundup and our uh, chat with Rory Smith of Glamorgan, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has downloaded the show so far. Robin Varley's podcast last week went down a storm. I know lots of people out there, a lot of respect for Robin. Uh, whether or not you've been coached by him or whether or not uh, you just know him as a as a, a kind gentleman his podcast went down extremely well last week so let's get on with the roundup of cricket from around south wales starting with the east okay for the results then i think we'll just focus on uh the first 11s this week uh so pool a there were wins for cardiff against Bridgend, St. Fagans beat Newport, uh, Newbridge beat Cowbridge in Pool 1, I think they were runs for Mr. Millerchip, uh, Panath managed to beat Malpas, Pool 2 then, there were wins for Chepstow against Panteg, Penturk beat the Fugitives, and I just want to say a little bit on that game because I played in it, well done to Penturk. A real young team, all, I think, maximum age 26. Uh, God, they feel this is off the park. Uh, and probably, uh, you know, well, we probably gave away maybe 25 to 30 runs in the field and they saved 25 to 30, so a massive swing there. But huge shout out to them. Whatever they're doing is really good. Uh, Connor Brown also opening the bat in there. Uh, it's a pleasure to play against him. Some great shots. Uh, thankfully, we got him on a full toss. Uh, yeah, Madden bowled a full toss. He hit it straight down the neck of Matthew Evans at mid-off. Uh, wins for Usk against Sudbrook. High-scoring game. Usk managed 260. Sudbrook couldn't get him. Uh, Lisvane beat Abergavenny. Landaff beat Blackwood and Radder beat Cross Killiog. Interesting there. All away wins in pool three. Then there were wins for Brecken, Whitchurch Heath and Tondi in pool four. And in pool five there were wins for Pontymister and Cross Keys beat Kriger, Crumlin beat Merthyr and The Vale beat Sully Centurions. So just looking at some of the top performers of the week. Uh, Benedict Das came in with 101 in the St. Fagans Cardiff match. Matthew Molson, 111 in the Monkswood Newport game. Owen Butler, 111 also in the Tredega Pontia game. Matt Langmead, 116 in the Whitchurch Avacunnan match. 117 for John Ellis in the Panath Langaru game. Oscar Watkins of Usk, 133. But the best performer of the week was Joseph Matthews, 139 and not out in the Pont game against Abertillery Town. Looking at the bowlers this week then. So uh, Kelly Chilton from Abercarn picked up 4 for 12. Mike Edwards, 4 for 11. Farzaz, Faraz Asif of uh, he took four for eight in the Blackwood against Landaff game. Dylan Smith took four for six in the Tredega Pontier game. Paul Simpson, four for three in Landaff against Whitchurch Heath. 
Benjamin Giesen Brown took five for 11 in the Bridge End versus Mangdon Ash game. But the best figures of the week go to Sam Harrison, five for nine in the Pontier against Chepstow match. So just looking at the batting statistics coming in this week, I'm going for runs scored at this early moment as opposed to averages. Ross Lewis coming in with 156. Tom Baker with 164. Rohan Mahindru coming in with 168. Matthew Thompson. Matthew Thompson being in the news with the release of the Cricket Wales Pathways this week. Um, very interesting to see what they're doing with the counties. Now splitting down into the regions. Uh, look up at Cricket Wales for all the base, uh, all the new information on that. But yeah, exciting times. But with that 139 not out, Joseph Matthews is up on top with 183. Looking at wickets then, uh, seven wickets gets you in the top eight. So Paul Smith, um, Ben Geeson-Brown, seven wickets. Kelly Chilton has picked up seven. Raul Shathway Shawath has picked up seven. Liam Winder has picked up seven. Riaz Hassan has picked up seven. Dylan Smith has picked up seven. And Charlie Morris has also picked up seven wickets also. Uh, Charlie on top there because he has bowled the least number of balls. But incidentally, he's gone for the most runs. So there we are. That's a little bit of batting statistics for, um, for this week. Now, what I thought I'd do is I'd go to look at a particular game and I'd try to find the closest game. Now, the closest game... I could find in the East this week was played at Bridgend Town on Newbridge Fields in Pool 14 between Bridgend Cricket Club 3rd 11 against Lisbane CC 4th 11. Um, yes, yeah, so Lisbane batted first and they, as I said, they managed to score 157 runs for Alex Woodman. Uh, 53. Uh, top bowling by a guy called Sinjin Tao. Now, I played rugby with Sinjin many, many years ago, going back into the good old college days. So it's good to see Sinjin back on the field playing. Uh, great guy, Sinjin. So, so well done there, mate. Bowling your eight overs, four maidens for seven runs, picking up two wickets. So, Bridgend in reply then started off well with Rice Hathaway getting runs. Middle order of Jones, Sinjin again 15, Jason Edwards 17, but they kind of fell away. Uh, Dent, Mitchell, Cogville didn't manage to add any, and I think Alex Reed was out caught and bowled. Jack Powell. Uh, and that would have been off 38.4 over. So a great game down on Newbridge Field. Special mention to Justin Rawls. His eight overs, the 28 runs and four wickets. So that was the closest game in the East last week. Uh, let's head over to the West. So it's hard to really to comment on the games that are going on on a Saturday in the West because there's no real league up and running there. But they do have the... The knockout competition and the uh, intermediate cup up and running. 
so we can have a little look uh, through those results. There were wins for Aberdeer, they beat My Stay. Uh, good game there, My Stay scoring 138 and Aberdeer getting them in the final over. There were wins for Gorsainen. Gorsainen in the news recently with a couple of their signings, Chris Me, Ryan Watkins. Mm, it's, all, it's all the talk of Twitter. Uh, obviously, Ryan Watkins, friend of the show. Um, there were wins for Ponte Dillice. They beat Lethley. Um Also wins for Neath beating Gowerton. Ammonford beating Port Talbot. And Swansea were also in the news on Twitter this week, I see. Uh, had a good win against My Stake Celtic. In the Intermediate Cup, there were wins for Ammonford. Davin beat Lethley. That would have been a good game. Uh, local derby there. Llandor uh, against Gorsainen was cancelled. Llangenich uh, beat my Steg second 11. Morrison second 11 beat or lost to Ponta Dowie. Um, and there was also a win for Ponta Dillice third 11 against Dunvant. First 11, good game of cricket there. Ponta Dillice getting it in the 19th over. So, yeah, uh, not much to report on cricket down west. I really like the structure that is happening uh, up in the east. These pool games are meaningful on a Saturday. Uh, yeah, so that concludes the roundup of the west. Um, and let's just head over to uh, the Facebook page whereby... We have some information coming in from the, the group. I played cricket in Wales and I asked the highlights and lowlights of the week. And there have been quite a few comments on that. Um, so, just looking at these comments. The highlights and lowlights, Dave Windross said, watching Robson Blake bat. Well, you know, I don't really know Robson Blake, but if he's up there with Dave Rindross liking it, I'm, I'm all for that. Bob Spatz said Brecon beat the Newport by five wickets in the Macy Cup. Now, Bob also put a post on earlier about the Macy Cup at the minute. Uh, the latest results are Brecon v Pantague. So these are the fixtures coming up, sorry. Brecon v Pantague, Newbridge to play Monmouth or Malpas. Seems like Newbridge have played Malpas every week so far. Radha to play Barry. Witcher, Chief or Cardiff to play Bridgend. And in the plate, Blackwood or Pontier to play Sudbrook. Undy or Mega to play Usk or Rogerstone. Penturk to play Bay Dragons. And Witcher, Jolandaf to play Sully Spartans. So, just getting on with the news again, James Haswell. Uh, ball Rogerstone out for 110. He was on Attrick. He was on Attrick ball. Well done, James. Ridian Carlos Knox highlight playing my first game of cricket for over 10 years. Low light game bowled on the off stump by a 70 year old man that pitched a ball outside leg stump. Oh dear, Ridian. Luke Walsh, good news coming from Pontia. They are now putting out teams on a Saturday. Uh, my, I, I've put one in there. I managed to open the batting with my lad, uh, Iwan, who's 13. Uh, we opened on Sunday. We managed to put on 83, an opening partnership in a game against um, 
who do we play? Lisvain Sunday 11. It was, you know, it was great. Now there's a story uh, that goes with this game and maybe you can add your Twitter points and, in there and whether or not you agree, disagree or whatever. But uh, yeah, so situation is Lisvain score 210. We are retiring at 50. Uh, one of their guys gets 50, no problem. They bat down. I think they lose about four or five wickets. Uh, their first team guy comes in. Nye Brown played some lovely shots, gone up to 210. Yeah, good score. We went in then. I opened with my boy, as I said. We put on 83. I retired at 50. We then went through our batting, which was, you know, a lot of juniors. A couple of boys came in at the end. But we were bowled out. Well, I was going to say we were bowled out. We were bowled out for nine wickets with 40 in, in the 39.1 overs. Left five balls and we needed 10 runs to win. Boys told me to pad up and I went out because I was tired, so I went back in. Now, uh, I think I was all right to do so. Um... Liz Vane, I don't think they agreed. I don't know. I don't know if I was right or not because I thought I was and then I saw their four. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, we managed to, we needed, ended up needing two off the uh, last ball. I was on strike, which incidentally is the first time I've ever been on strike when we needed runs off the winning, uh, run, winning runs off the last ball. The guys bought me a full toss outside off stump, which I've hit the boundary for four and we've won. Was I right? Should I have gone back in? We were nine down. Huh. Answers on a postcard, answers in the Twitter. Let me know, let me know. Controversy at NFCC, the home of cricket. Other stories uh, that are coming from uh, the weekend. Roma Hindu, despite having a, well, he had a good week on Saturday, but he also hit 123 off 95 balls for Wales against Gloucestershire. That's a great knock. Um, and I also saw a guy by the name of Tom Norton. I think I mentioned him last week for scoring 100. Uh, he played in the same team as my lad, Wales in the 13th. They played Somerset last Friday in Newport. Tom Norton hit 116 off about 70 balls. And it will go down as the best innings I have ever seen by a 13-year-old lad. It was absolutely phenomenal. He was hitting shots straight at Newport. You know, so the boundaries weren't brought in straight. And literally, the fielders weren't moving. It was a hell of a knock. Wales comfortably beat Somerset uh, in two games. There was another game going on as well. I think they, they lost the other two. So it was uh, honours shared. But what a what a day of cricket down uh, down uh, Spitty Park on Friday. Uh, Grant Pierce, low light. Our skipper Kyle Green winning the toss and electing the field in 30 degree heat. Oh dear. Um, Chris James, highlight eight overs, 12 runs, three wickets for Gavin Gumpy Jones. Watching Gavin bowling to an 8 1 field and he was the one. So <laughs> Chris James was the one. Let me just check. That's the Chris James I know. Yes, it is. And he was the one on the leg side. Oh dear. Uh, Alec Burkett didn't really contribute at Sudbrook in the heat um, Oscar Watkins scoring that 100 also Ollie Robson 75 Amit Aswani uh, son of Arvind 
69, Dave Smith 64, Thomas, these are stories I like, Thomas Jenkins had a second golden duck on the bounce. That's the kind of story that I want to be able to tell. Peter T, still haven't had an explanation for my post held to be pending. So, uh, sorry Peter, but you know, I only in post interesting stories. Um, John, hosting our first women's softball festival at Monmouth, followed by immediate Gwent under 14s. Yeah, I saw the pictures of that. Good stuff going on at Monmouth. I saw Alicia Hawkins, uh, who is obviously the CEO of Cricket Wales. I saw that she uh, participated in the games. Two Kelly mentions about um, dropping a catch off your own bowling. So she didn't get her five wickets. Neil Hembro won for 15 off eight against Brockhampton. Um, Andrew Palmer's his thoughts were with teams fielding. And then the final story, Emily Janice making her first 11 debut for Hlethley in their match against Vellinvol on Saturday. Now there's some, she's put some pictures in there as well. And I've got to say that bowling action collapses a little bit on the front knee, but apart from that, it looks very good on release. Just keep your keep your leg a little bit straighter, I think, on uh, that front on that front foot. Um, other stories, uh, yeah, my lad Tristan, uh, he mancadded an under ten girl in their game, Newport Fugitives under elevens against Abergavenny under elevens. So I think that is the roundup of the week. Uh, any stories, make sure you join the Facebook group. I'd put them on Twitter, hashtag Jones the Bat. Uh, uh, I'd be happy to read them out. So on to my little chat with Rory Smith. I wanted to find out about his journey to becoming a professional rugby player. But Rory was an exceptionally talented. I'm going to use the word talent because that gets brought up uh, quite a lot in this in this podcast. He was a very skillful competitor, both at rugby and at cricket, playing Welsh uh, age group levels at that. I'm not sure else would have done that. Uh, also, um, you know, we stopped the recording and basically uh, we carried on chatting and I've put that in as well. So when you see her say goodbye, uh, there's a little bit more. All right. I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Let's record now, just to make sure everything is uh, is recording. Uh, yeah, so it looks like it's recording, everything is good. And like I say, we'll go into... Uh, we'll, we'll just go into the chat and I'll, I'll edit all this out at the, at the yeah. beginning and go from there. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about, first of all, earliest cricket memory so perhaps we'll do a little bit hi how are you everything going well um we could perhaps talk yeah, yeah just a little yeah. bit say about you know our fact you know uh we've been furloughed at the minute uh looking forward to getting back to cricket as soon as possible uh, and then go from there really all right yeah okay, okay so we'll go uh three. Oh, by the way by the way i gotta check this it's rory yeah. isn't it yeah it's rory how many times do you get people spell your name wrong Oh, all the time. Oh, yes. mate. Literally. <laughs> Countless times growing up and then all the way through even now. And the actual pronunciation? It's just... Uh, I, I, yeah, so, it's Rory. Just, yeah. just writing back to you, I'm like, I've, I've got it now. 
I've, I know how to do it now. I've, I've worked it out, but oh my goodness. Because um, I've got a son called Iwan, uh, I-W-A-N, and that's spelt wrong all the time, but he just accepts yeah. it and, and moves on. In fact, he'll just go by, people will call him Ewan and Iwan, and he'll just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he'll just go yeah. <laughs> right, so, um, okay, here we go then. Uh, three, two, uh, one. So, hi Rory, how are things going, mate? Yeah, um, all good, thanks. Yeah, just kind of making my way through uh, the situation at the moment and uh, trying to fill my time as best I can. Yeah, I'll say at the time of recording now, you know, we're currently about six weeks into uh, uh, into lockdown. Uh, so, things with Glamorgan, I, you know, you've been furloughed for this time being, but try and still get a bit of practice in where you can, maybe in the garden. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of quite an active person normally anyway, so getting out of my runs and my bike rides and kind of trying to do everything I can to kind of stay active and healthy, really. Good, mate, good. So this podcast is all about, uh, you know, the fact that we're looking at this path of you moving up through uh, the ranks to professional cricket. And um, I really want to start right at the beginning and, and talk about some of your earliest cricket memories uh, that maybe ignited a bit of passion into you uh, into becoming a professional cricketer? Um, yeah, so probably my earliest cricketing memories are maybe a little bit of garden stuff um, with my, kind of my, my dad um, and then going into kind of my main memories really um, starting off at Uick or is now Cardiff Met in King Cloyd um, used to be softball sessions there um, and from there I got kind of asked to go along to St. Fagans Cricket Club and I spent kind of a few years there playing softball cricket on a Monday night, kind of on the far pitch, kind of running around, having the time of my life, really. Yeah. Were there, at that time, were, there, were you interested in cricket and Glamorgan? Were there any role models who, who perhaps caught your eye that you'd watch on TV? Um, probably not that early, really. I kind of haven't really got too many memories of going, going down to see Glamorgan quite kind of when I was that age it was more kind of sort of when I got into my teens and started playing kind of representative cricket I started kind of having a look and going around to watch Glamorgan. Yeah so who were the players you know at the forefront at, at those times when you were watching Glamorgan? So I think when I first went down um, you sort of had Robert Croft I remember him going into pinch hit at the top of the order a few times obviously I had Matt Maynard who was involved, kind of played at St. Fagans, who I made my first St. Fagans first team debut with, I think, and yeah. kind of those sort of guys. Um, I think I remember going down to see Matt, Matt Elliott and Jimmy Maher, the Australian overseas, and of course, yeah, for that sort of time, kind of just kind of first couple of years of the T20 as well. So I remember kind of going down to see that. Yeah. So. Um... When you were watching those guys play cricket, was there maybe an ambition that you thought, hang on a minute, I'd like to do this. I wouldn't mind being a professional cricketer. I think I've got what it takes. Or was it just a pipe dream at the time? Um, I can't remember ever it being looking at those sort of guys and thinking, I'd obviously thinking that I really want to do this. But I can't remember thinking that's a kind of a profession I can go into at that point. Um, yeah. It was probably only um, a big, big one for me was actually, strangely, it was like having Tom Maynard play at St. Fagans. He was oh, right, yeah. He was about five years older than me, six years older than me. 
But I remember first watching him play when I was about 10 or 11, playing in a club junior game finals. And it was just different, different level watching him play. He's just so far ahead of everyone else. But then watching him go up and make his first, more than first team debut while I was playing junior cricket at St. Fagans, probably it kind of showed that someone who was not long ago was where I was playing in the same teams I am, kind of making it and playing professional cricket probably was kind of showed me that, oh, there is a way yeah. I can go up there. That's, um, that's, you know, that, that's, that's a huge point, isn't it? The fact that you've got someone in your club who has gone on to make it and all of a sudden you suddenly think, well, hang on a minute, if they can do it, possibly I can do it um, and, and try to emulate what they did in order to, to get where they became. Yeah, definitely. That um, It was sort of someone who had been, actually five years previously, who had been playing exactly the same teams on exactly the same mm. pitch. Um, having someone like that ahead of me was probably kind of, not, not an eye opener, but kind of almost showed the way. Yeah. So uh, part, part of this, uh, this series of podcasts, uh, what I'll look at is, is parental influence. Um, and, and maybe looking at, you know, the fact that so some, some players who go on, you know, they, there has to be that parental backing behind them. However, there are some anomalies, you know, whereby parents have no interest in cricket. What, what was the story with your parents? Um, so my mum's from Belfast, so she didn't have any real interest in cricket. Um, she played a bit of sport, but my dad was very keen um, on cricket and a number of other sports. So Did he, did he, he play cricket? Yeah, so he played a bit of cricket when he was younger. Um, but he, they were both my parents were really open to me, basically trying any sport I wanted to. So I played, and so many different sports like rugby, cricket, football, tennis, squash. Kind of running out of trying to remember what I did, but I literally, if I wanted to do something, my parents would kind of go out of their way to allow me to do it, whether that be kind of dropping me at sessions, running around in the evening. I I, I, I can imagine me and my sister are a nightmare for my parents. Cause I, I was, I was going to say, you know, are there, are there, do you have siblings who play sport as well? Yeah, so my sister played um, quite a bit of hockey, um, kind of at Welsh age groups and stuff growing up. Um, and funnily enough, she's actually... She's been last couple of years. She's been a ski instructor in Vancouver, so I'm a little bit jealous. Oh wow! Do you ever get out there? <laughs> um, I haven't been able to <laughs> yet, but I'd love to. Um, but yeah, so my parents were running around like crazy after school. They'd pick us up from school, and one parent would be going, taking me to rugby training or cricket training, and the other parent would be taking my sister to swim club or something. So it was, um, I can imagine, it was quite hectic. Yeah, I, I don't think we can underestimate the influence that parents have on developing children to go on and play sport. Now, there's that absolutely, you know, the, the bit where they where they ferry you around all the time. And I suppose with cricket as well, was it a case of, you know, them staying there all day when you were playing the 40 over games and, and things like that? And But then there's that fine line of, you know, of being pushy and of being a bit too pushy, I suppose. Um and I imagine yeah, I think, you, you may have seen that down the line. Yeah, I think it was always the case that if I didn't 
they only kind of did it so long as I wanted to to do do it. Yeah. Um, I think I think if I turned around at any point and said I'm not enjoying this, I don't want to do this, I think it would have been. I'm not sure they would have. I was very lucky. I don't think they would have pushed me into doing it because I know there was a couple of occasions. I'm sure we'll get onto where I poor, kind of stopped doing something when maybe they would have quite liked me to carry on. Um, but I guess they kind of left it up to me. I think there is a point, you know, as a parent as well, whereby, you know, maybe a, your, your child comes home from school and there's a training session, it's wet and windy, and you oh, they, I, I don't want to go tonight, Dad. I, I don't want to do this. But then there yeah. is that element whereby, as a parent, you need to say, no, you're going. You, you show yeah. commitment, you've, you've committed to doing this, so this is what you do. And it's almost like trying to teach your, your child that, you know, in order, to be a, in order to be a successful sportsman or in order to achieve anything in life, you, you need to be committed to the cause which you set out to. Were there any occasions like that whereby, you know, your parents maybe came down on you a little bit, you know, you've got to do it because you've shown the commitment? Um, not off the top of my head, really, I feel like I was actually pretty good in that respect. Um, actually, a bit more to do, to do with those. I, I used to play the piano when I was younger, and right, I was um, I was very lax, let us say, on practicing. Um, so that took a little bit of um, nudging for my parents to uh, actually get on and practice and kind of learn the learn the pieces and learn the scales etc so there were did, yeah did you get to any grading more. on that did you um so i'm um, actually grade five I think. which is which is pretty impressive i'm probably uh, a bit embarrassed to say i probably can't play too much at the moment but hopefully if i ever wanted to i would pick that quite quickly but it's um yeah, yeah. i was quite yeah it was probably the only thing on with regard to sport i was I was so keen to play everything. I kind of don't think I ever really many times, many times ever talked, turned around and went and said I'm kind of not not going to a session or something. Right. So uh, just m- moving on now to you know uh, the, the interest I have of uh, of learning and things like this. Were there any influential coaches that you had when you were growing up? Um, yeah, there were, there were probably a few. Um, probably the first kind of major influence was um coach St. Fagans called Phil Makinson who's um still kind of involved at the moment but the amount of kind of junior cricketers he's kind of overseen oh. come through the St. Fagans system be incredible because he was oh. doing it before I started and he's well still mate doing it. I, I'm nearly twice your age and Phil was doing junior coaching when I was a junior so <laughs> I remember going over to St. Fagans he, and he was running the teams then so the amount of hours that that man has put into the St. Fagans is is incredible um, yeah he's um he's certainly put above and beyond what anyone could have asked of him and um, it's and he sort of kind of got me to St. Fagans in the first place um, and then sort of oversaw along with kind of a lot of parents who coached as well. He kind of oversaw a lot of the junior cricket, my junior cricket growing up through St. Fagans. Um, so he was a he was kind of a really big one in the, my kind of starting off as, starting off as a cricketer at St. Fagans. Um, yeah. Another one is probably Alan Jones, um, okay, yeah. who I had 
the two years at Wales under 11s um, and obviously a legend, a Glamorgan legend, um, an incredible player. Um, but he was really fantastic for those couple of years that I had him and kind of even coming on to now he still kind of comes to the Morgan games and kind of will have an encouraging word here or there and it's he was he was brilliant as well. Um mm-hmm. and then another one is um John Derrick um who was a kind of a big one of the turning points probably yeah. where I went from not he took my Welsh under 13 team I think and I think at that point I was kind of bowling I think I was bowling a bit and batting 10 or like 10 or 11 and then he jumped me into open on in the semi-finals of a cup competition while uh, playing Yorkshire I think it was right I think I took off scored 50 got 50 in the final against Kent and he was for that year I had him for you. He was, he was brilliant. And then I've going on next few years after that. He uh, he was always willing to take one to ones and kind of almost guide you a little bit after yeah. that as well. He, he was actually my England under fifteen coach as well when I got picked for them. So it's oh, uh, wow. excellent. He was kind of I'm not saying I wouldn't have got him without him, but he was. Um, He's definitely an influence. Definitely help having him as yeah. the coach. And, and and looking back, you know, you know, the fact that you were batting number eleven, under thirteen, and you know, there's quite a few uh, juniors who listen to this podcast as well. Uh, sometimes, you know, maybe juniors cricketers get pigeonholed really early. You know, and, and we're talking eleven, twelve, thirteen, whether or not you're a batsman or a bowler, and it's very difficult sometimes to get out of that pigeonhole. I think. Uh, but for, for you know what you're saying is that you were batting ten, you were batting eleven, and all of a sudden you were given opportunity. And when you got given that opportunity, you succeeded, which kind of took you down another path. Saying maybe I I can do this, I can bat a little bit, and I'm not just a bowler. Um, I think I'd always because I'd always batted high, batted high when I was younger, and and then always in, in club cricket and stuff, I always batted quite high and, and Carlton Bale and stuff. Um, so it wasn't a case of I didn't know I could bat, but I think it was just given that opportunity to go out there and score and mm. kind of almost pushing me. I think that, because that opened the bat and then got me into a couple of teams, West England, and I think I actually got opened the bat for England under 15, so that almost got me into a few more teams, um, yeah. which then kicked me on and gave me the belief that, oh, I'm actually okay at this I can kind of yeah. go on and I kind of keep moving up teams and stuff so that was kind of a bit I think quite a big moment yeah so I'm not sure if yeah. I hadn't had that opportunity whether I potentially would have had some of the other opportunities over the next couple of years which probably pushed me into where yeah. I am today I, one thing I want to drill down on is, is the fact that you know you uh, went to uh, fee paying schools okay um and there's a lot in the in the news at the minute and there's a lot of articles and you need to look at the the england test team for example and a lot of those lads went to to fee paying schools what advantages do you think that you gain from from going to fee paying schools 
Um, I think there's a there's a couple probably. I'm not sure whether it's particularly fair, but I think it's it's kind of just how it is at the moment. But the quality of coaching was one. Um, so at at Shrewsbury, um, the the cricket master, the cricket first team cricket coach was a guy called Paul Prigent, who was ex Worcester bowler. Um, quite a an interesting character, but he was he was great fun while I was there. Um, but to have someone who played the professional game and kind of to talk, kind of coaching and talking you through the game was kind of invaluable yeah. when you're kind of 16. And I imagine for the guys who were at Shrewsbury from 13, 14, because I know there's always been a conveyor belt on Shrewsbury recent times. So David Lloyd. Um, um, David Lloyd, obviously at Glamorgan, Hugh yeah. um, Worcester, Ed Barnard, Joe Leach, and then obviously the big one is James Taylor, who right. um, yeah. went all five years at Shrewsbury School under Paul Prision. So he's kind of, that's a big one is the coaching. Um, and then the other, the, the other massive thing is just the time given to sport. Um, I remember when I was at school, we had, we could, in the summer term, we'd train on a Monday, Tuesday. We'd have games Wednesday. Thursday would be off, but we could still train if we want to in the indoor school. Um, we'd train Friday, have a game Saturday, and sometimes we'd also have games Sunday. So it was incredible, the amount of time. Yeah, and, and you, you compare that to somebody who's in, in state school, in comprehensive school, whereby they, they'll play no cricket unless they're lucky enough to have a, a teacher who's interested in it who can give up the time to do it uh and a lot of their coaching then is done after school where they have to make their way down to the local cricket club i suppose so yeah i think the opportunity of time is huge and but you know i'm a there's been work done lots of work research done by the amount of hours it takes you know in order to become proficient at skills and that is just you know one of the major things that uh, public schools allow you to do is devote time with as you yeah. said you had a, a great coach there as well and you you get that practice with a coach which is just you know it's the opportunity for you is is so great and it's no surprise that a lot of these players go on to play professional cricket, I think. Um, yeah, it's certainly a higher was, percentage. Yeah, um, massively. Like we had, my boarding house was next door to the indoor school, so I literally had to walk fifty meters. And I was in in the indoor school, and like bowling machines, I had a Merlin. So just having that opportunity was uh, 17, 18, 16, 17, 18 was unbelievable. Yeah, um, I, I I've just recently. I know, yeah. Go on, go on, you go. Um, yeah, I know a lot of the, a lot of the, or I know every kind of fee-paying school they offer scholarships and bursaries. Yeah. So there, there is that opportunity to to go. Um, mm. And I'd say from my experiences, I absolutely loved my two years there. Um, and from a cricket perspective, I kind of I think they were invaluable as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, going on from so so school then. Um, looking back on it, I've, you know, were there any 
you, you obviously become a professional cricketer. Were there any instances whereby it could have gone down a different route for you? Um, maybe a couple. Um, both my parents are very academic, so I always got kind of pushed down the academic side of things as well. So I was all kind of doing the school exams and then going on to uni. Um, so I obviously did my I did my uni course straight out of school, and I think there was I came very or. I'd like to think very close. Whether it was that close is a different matter, but um, I'd like to think I came quite close to getting into Oxford to study for right. my uni course. And yeah. actually looking back on that, I ended up going to Bristol, which probably actually was one of the... Actually pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, go on, why? Because... Um, while I was in Bristol, I used to come back and train. I think I made my first team debut just before I went. As I, I think a couple of weeks before Freshers' Week, I think. So um, while I was in uni, I was travelling back to Cardiff twice a week to train, and kind of in the summer, I remember I played a four-day match: Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I had an exam, a uni exam on the Thursday. And my three years of uni were kind of peppered like that really mm, with yeah. all the way through the winter coming back twice three times a week to train and then in the summer playing games and kind of nipping across doing exams and I think I'm not sure whether potentially if I'd gone to Oxford A whether I'd have finished been able to get mm. through the course and B how much time I would have been able to come back so obviously the distance is probably twice as far Yeah, with the course, course being potentially more demanding whether that would have affected where I am today, really. But mm. I kind of look at it a bit strangely and was probably quite lucky I didn't get in. Yeah, absolutely, you know, but you know, all the the route the route to success, you know, it's 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 different things along the way of uh, trigger you different points and you know, that is certainly one for you, I think, whereby you you're you've got that opportunity to get back to coach and to play or so to be coached and, and play at Glamorgan. And, you know, definitely it's uh, it's a, an advantageous uh, break for you, I think. So um, if you were looking back now and you wanted to give some advice to, to youngsters going through the system, you know, what, what would you say to them? To, like most of all, just enjoy it. I think if you don't enjoy it, you won't put the work in and you won't, kind of push yourself to get better each each time you kind of you go to training or you go out to play so I think if the enjoyment's not there then I'm not sure I'd you might you might as well go and try and find something else that you do enjoy um yeah there's got to be the because, passion there isn't there yeah because if you kind of if you want to get to any level doing anything the amount of work you have to put in I don't think people quite understand that at times mm. um, yeah because I, i'm i'm a big one is i I've, I've got i don't really believe a huge amount in natural talent um i'm with you on that yeah go on i'm a big one in terms of if you put the work in and it's a build-up from when you're very basically a baby just taking your first steps every kind of where you are 
at this point is a culmination of everything you've done from that point when you first started kind of crawling or walking or something. Mm. So, yeah, so absolutely. You know, we look at parental influence there. You look, and we go back to this little chat that we've just had, the coaches, uh, the fact that uh, you, you had opportunity to go to UIC and do some softball stuff. The fact that you went to St. Fagans and Phil Makinson was there. All these things along the way, you know, have contributed and built towards you having the opportunity to, to become a, a professional cricketer. And I definitely think, you know, that, that opportunity along with your personal motivation is, you know, is, is that melting point for success? Yeah. Um, but in, in with that as well is that by, when I, when, by thinking like that, I don't believe that anyone's not capable of doing anything. If you put enough work in and you dedicate enough time of quality practice, it's not just going out and... yeah not really can't thinking but if it's just quality practice if you do it enough of it i believe anyone can kind of do anything really and, and along with that I, I think so what you're typically describing there is a growth mindset have you come across that uh saying before um yeah i have so i've actually i've kind of i think i've read the book but that was originally Thanks, coined. Yeah. um yeah. yeah sort of um and it's something that i've tried to adopt in as many things as possible. Um, whether I've been 100% successful is probably not quite true, but um, it's something I am aware of. And yeah. So, so along along with that opportunity and motivation comes a mindset towards success, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that uh, you've got this belief that you're not given these natural talents. Although in sport, there are some natural talents regarding size and, and physique, which are, which are going to help you. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of cricket is played in the mind. Um, and dealing with setbacks is a huge thing for a young cricketer to deal with. Um, now, I know you certainly, you've had some uh, injuries along the way, haven't you? So that, has that tested you over the last uh, couple of years? Yeah, definitely. It is. It's never easy. Getting out injured, I've I spent many a many a month watching and wishing I was playing, and I think I've maybe got not quite sure whether I've got better at dealing with them or not, or whether it's kind of the same. But it's I think I've kind of accepted that I don't think anyone can have complete hundred percent avoid them. I think you're always going to have a couple and some are unavoidable, some are freak accidents. So hopefully touch wood on have a kind of the rest of my career is mainly injury free, but it's um there will always be setbacks and I think if you even if you look at the best batsmen in the world I'm not sure about Steve Smith, he might be a freak on his own, but <laughs> yeah. Even the best batsmen in the world, they fail more than half the time. Really? But I, you know, but I think you know the, the thing with Steve Smith is you, um, and what people don't appreciate about Steve Smith is the amount of hours that he puts in to practice. And he actually, you know, I don't know whether you've seen have you seen the test the Amazon documentary? Have you uh, seen yeah, that? I have. Yeah. Uh, and he just lives and breathes cricket, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's always done it. And he, he's put in more more hours than I think the average person can can imagine 
Uh, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, which have led him to develop his own his own style, his own technique, and and play what seems like effortless cricket. And it goes along with what you're saying about this uh, natural talent not being there. It's actually the practice and developing your own style. I think. Yeah, well, it's just a classic case of you kind of get out what you put in. Um, yeah. And he's put in so much work and he's kind of getting out now what he, kind of what he probably deserves. Because if you think about it, when he first started playing international cricket, he was a kind of a leg spinner, mm. a bit of a ropey leg spinner, but a leg spinner who just kind of batted kind of mid to late order. And mm. To turn from what he was when he first started to now the best batsman in the world, and um, alongside probably Coley and um, mm. obviously Manus. Um, <laughs> yeah, but again, he's one which was, you would yeah. have seen now. You would have seen Manus and the way in which he uh, devotes his time to cricket. Uh, yeah, but he's, and... he's in the same sort of mould like this breeze cricket and. I kind of laugh now. I'm never surprised when those sort of people succeed because they put by putting in that much, yeah, kind of time and quality practice. It's it's kind of a no-brainer, really, how well they are doing now. Um, obviously, coupled with mentally being being very strong and kind of having that mindset um, to go out and succeed and um, but coupling that with the amount of practice and work they did was kind of the recipe for success really well Rory it's been absolutely fantastic uh, talking to you I, I've asked you know I'm going to ask people you know maybe a book that they can recommend but you know we touched on on bounce uh, it was certainly a, a book that changed my mindset and the way in which I approach learning being a teacher just not uh, just not sport but you know, mathematics, English, it's the hours, it's the time. So, mate, it's been awesome t- talking to you. I've learned so much. Um, and I'm sure everyone who listens to this will find it very, very interesting, you know, the, the pathway to a, a professional sportsman. So, thank you very much. Um, no problem. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again. Uh, cheers. No problem. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Okay, so we ended the conversation there, but I didn't press stop record. And we carried on chatting and this little bit is just gold you know when we talk about the fact that you know talent is a myth uh, my viewpoint rory's viewpoint and we just we just carried on our conversation about about talent and uh, the way in which we see it can't stand people saying you can't <laughs> do something yeah absolutely mate i've got many 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 arguments in this i read the i read book uh, the bounce back in 2000 or where are we looking now 2012 and being a teacher I then took that into the school and said about there's no such thing as natural talent and you had all these teachers who were basically saying oh no he's a natural historian or he's a natural writer or natural at mathematics and I'm like no man no these guys That's just because they've listen. done it from when they were a kid and they're interested in it and yeah. so they do more of it outside there's school. a story there's a story behind every kid who's successful at it and you go back to that mathematician and the amount of hours that they would have spent doing their homework and the parental influence and maybe uh parents 
teaching them maths from a very, very early age is, you know, everyone's got a story and nobody, nobody, I'm yet to find anyone who's found the skill that they can do, you know, without ever having to practice with it. So, yeah, I think there's, there's a few, like, you can't be seven foot and be a basketball centre, but they're kind of few and far between. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a big argument that I'm having in, in the education system at the minute, uh, and, and particularly kids who believe that they are not naturally gifted is a, is a major point. You know, kids not naturally. I, I can't do maths. And you've only got to be in a parent's evening. And, you know... That you'll hear parents say, "Oh well, I was never sport. I'm a PE teacher. I was never sporty as a kid." Uh, or you hear kids say, "Well, I wasn't any good." Parents say, "I wasn't any good at maths and things like that." And it just all of a sudden is just passing over that the fact that they think it's natural whether or not you're good at maths or good at English or anything like that. So it's huge for me. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. But, um, it's it's kind of as a bugbear in mind because when just when someone believes they can't do something they probably never will do it yeah absolutely absolutely so huge thanks for doing that mate uh i'm gonna press uh stop recording now okay so absolute gold there from rory <laughs> this is the biggest thing i think in sport those people who believe they're naturally talented if you do believe you're naturally talented and you're, and you're playing well sometimes that creates a ceiling and sometimes if you're finding it hard, particularly when you're at 16, 17, 18, sometimes you think you've run out of natural talent, you've hit the ceiling. Whereas those guys with that growth mindset are really, really go on. Anyway, buy the book Bounce. Any work by Matthew Said is just really, really good. I'll put links in the show notes. Um, yeah, remember if you need your bat serviced, if you need it refurbed, if you want to buy some charity stickers, go to jonesthebat.com. Loads on at the minute. I'm loving this five weeks of cricket condensed down into, uh, oh, sorry, the five months of cricket condensed down into the five weeks. Ah, it's great stuff. Um, I'll see you all next week for episode 21. I don't know who the guest is yet. I need to record one. Any volunteers or any names you want to put forward, give me a shout. See you guys. <laughs>